You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 28 of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and again, we have a full room today because I am joined by three important people. i got Jason Marshall, we've got Amber Bridge, and our special guest today is Chrissy Van Ostel, who was here for our Think, Make, Innovate conference. So, welcome, guys. All right, so regular listeners will know uh, Amber and Jason from previous episodes, but Chrissy, would you mind uh, telling us uh, who you, a little bit about yourself and where you are and what you do? Um, Chrissy Van Osdale from Houston. Um, I, I'm falling in love with Iowa and the lack of humidity here. I am currently the innovation coordinator um, for a primary uh, lower school in Houston, and that just means I get to play with robots and cardboard and kids and help support teachers. So we built a makerspace uh, in our, our school about three years ago. It's called the Launchpad. And I've just been there working and developing that space and um, get excited when I get the chance to share our story with other teachers um, and, and share our mission of creativity. So we thought we'd just take a, a few minutes because we've had... Uh what, three days of makerspace learning now, just to round up some of our learning and talk about some of the things we've done. So why don't we go straight to Chrissy and uh, tell us uh, some of your thoughts or takeaways from from these three days we've had. Well, it's been a great three days. And uh, my biggest takeaway is it's been exciting to see people jumping into the mindset of making. And my hope is that that is what people are leaving with is that makerspace the idea of having a makerspace, it starts with building that mindset before you purchase a bunch of things and buy stuff. Um, that's not going to change the culture of your classroom. It's going to start with changing your mindset and opening the door to creativity with your kids. Absolutely. <laughs> it was super exciting to just kind of eavesdrop on all the participants and hear them say, I am so excited about this. Chrissy said or tweeted out before she came that she was going to bring the joy, and I think she did. There was a lot of laughter, a lot of fun. We, we did have fun making, I would say. And I had several of the participants come up to me and say, I just emailed my principal, and we're going to get this going. We're going to make this work, and I've got support, and they've got some momentum and some happiness going. So I am just super excited to hear that. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement. I think part of that was uh, the chance to have those hands-on experiences with, with all that stuff, because... Um, when you put these materials and tools and technologies in the hands of teachers, they can quickly see, oh, I can see how that relates to what we're doing in elementary or what we're doing in art or we're doing in, in math or whatever, and they can, they can make those curriculum connections. So that was pretty clear to see. One of my favorite moments was everybody, it was time to stop working uh, with the robots. And I said, okay, it's time to come back to the tables. And several teachers groan just like our kids <laughs> do when we're having a good time and we don't want to stop the learning. So it's always a good sign when you can see people remembering what it's like to be a kid learning something new. Chrissy, for people that may be thinking about makerspaces and getting started with makerspaces, what, what advice do you give to people? 
Uh, the biggest piece of advice I would have is don't put so much pressure on yourself to have this ultimate space that has every tool and gadget on the first day. Um, start very small with a pile of cardboard in the corner and start small with a very simple project that you can turn your kids loose on and then build from there. Once you've mastered that particular thing and your kids have mastered that thing, then let them move on to something more challenging. Um, there's so much out there now about maker spaces and it, you know, it can all get overwhelming. You feel like you need to have everything on that first day so that your kids will have everything they need. But the truth is it's really about turning them loose and that just happens and, and has to take practice by doing it a little bit at a time. So I think that's the most important thing is start small and build it. Chrissy, question for you. So this morning you talked about how the design process, and it has like five steps, and, and students like to a lot of times jump to the end and just start with that prototyping and go from there. Um, and I would say Amber and I probably see that often when we go out into districts where the students and sometimes the teachers, they want to jump right to that prototyping step. So can you talk a little bit about the importance of that and kind of how you, how you get that moving in the right direction? Yes, kids absolutely love to jump right into the building. They want to get their hands on the materials. And I think in some ways, uh, we as teachers like to do that too. We think that's where the meat of the learning really is. But the meat of the learning really is in that process of um, empathizing with who you're designing it for. Um, and then thinking about what your problem really is and then coming up with as many ideas as you can in a set amount of time. Um, I heard someone say one time that the design thinking process puts structure in a place where there typically isn't structure and it forces kids to be even more creative. Um, so the process kind of slows them down and gets them thinking deeper. Whereas if you just jump in and say, build a prototype, build an idea for a new type of transportation, they might have fun and that's great, but that's not the kind of thing you wanna do all the time where they're not getting into that deep learning. So I think that's where design thinking can add structure to your makerspace where there might not be structure when it's needed sometimes. Yeah, it's always a balance between um how, how structured you make those activities, isn't it? You know, because there's, I guess there's two schools of thoughts here where you have makerspace where kids just come in and they do whatever they want or you're having to, you know, try and make things fit with things that you're teaching in your classroom to satisfy standards and, and, and make learning more fun. I, I mean, you gave an example, I think, today when you said, you know, there, there's always parts of what we teach that, we as teachers just go, oh, no. And yours was economics, was it, in social studies? And and you're always looking for ways to, to make those really dry content areas more fun and how makerspaces can help help do stuff like that. So um, do you have any more examples like that or, or ways that people can take existing curriculum and just put a spin on it? Yeah, I love to start with books that kids are already interested in. Um, Books like The Hungry Caterpillar for the youngest kids, um, older kids like Magic Treehouse, and incorporate those into technology tools. Maybe they design something for a character to solve a problem they have. Um, that can really help kids engage with the books on another level. Um, but this all goes back to not putting so much pressure on yourself as a teacher and making it super stressful where you feel like your makerspace needs to look like everybody else's. Um, I think people have a tendency to 
see someone share something about a makerspace being completely open-ended all the time and then they feel like if they have structure in theirs they're not doing it right so it really does come back to like trusting yourself as a teacher and your colleagues and knowing what your kids need and and making that space work for your school and that's why there's no guide out there that's going to tell you how to do that you have to build it and go through the process and it can feel grueling and it can be hard um, but that's that's how you know it's good learning I think that's so true it's got to be a, a balance you know mm-hmm. sometimes maybe you go in there and you're free making and sometimes you go and you're connecting it to a book or you're connecting it to learning or sometimes you just really need them to learn a specific skill while they're in there so that they can use technology or uh, an exacto knife appropriately yeah. <laughs> and safely um, but it can't be one or the other it can't always be open it can't always be about you know following specific steps it needs to be that balance and you need to read your students too you can't just say oh I saw someone else do this I'm going to do it the exact same way you need to kind of feel out where they're at in the process as well and really listen to them because and you said this in your uh, closing keynote everyone in the school needs to own that making Mm-hmm. The kids, the teachers, the janitors, the principal, everybody needs to own that making. And you said, I think, give janitors treats as well, right? Definitely leave chocolate for the janitors because <laughs> they will they will dread coming into your room. Um, but you're right. Everyone in the school owns it. Everyone celebrates it. Um, and it's, it's exciting to see the culture start to take hold when it's not just one classroom that's building with cardboard, when it's happening in multiple classrooms and it spreads. I think the energy kind of takes over the whole school and it becomes this whole level of creative awesomeness that has been missing in our schools for a long time. Yeah. We said in our opening that we wanted and hoped that over these few days that everyone would realize that they are a maker. Everybody is a maker. The students in the school are makers. The teachers are makers and building up that creative confidence uh, throughout them. And hopefully this few days of getting hands-on gave them the opportunity to feel a bit more confident with their making skills. So Christy, could you give us a recommendation for some teachers out there? Let's say I'm a teacher and I'm I'm really wanting to get started with the makerspace, but you know, maybe I'm a little nervous, not confident in it because it's so different than what my regular classroom is like. You know, what is an easy way to get moving in the right direction with that? Yeah, I would start out with a really simple activity like a seven-minute challenge. One of my favorite challenges is building a tower as tall as you can out of three sheets of paper a roll of masking tape and a pair of scissors and you put the kids in groups and they literally have seven minutes to complete that challenge. I've done it with pre-k kids all the way up through adults and every every age group handles it differently but it's exciting to see that it doesn't matter how they handle it it's about their collaboration and how they cooperate with each other Um, And it's really fun because as a teacher, then you get to see a different side of your kids because you are turning loose control and it's only for seven minutes and you're seeing what happens and you do one challenge and then maybe you add another challenge and then maybe you try another challenge and pretty soon you're starting to feel more comfortable with turning kids loose. Um, I, I equate it to organized chaos. It's not a dangerous kind of chaos. It's an exciting kind of chaos where kids are talking and they're engaged and they're typically standing up. They're no longer sitting down because they're so into what they're doing. Um, and we have to get used to that again because we, we've been used to having our kids sit and do activities that are on the quieter side. 
So I think just reintroducing some of those things to ourselves um, through small activities will help kind of build our stamina for it. Um, and just don't be afraid to take a risk. And, and like Amber said earlier, um, creative confidence. Be confident that you are creative because you're modeling that for your kids. Um, and the last thing we want is a kid to think, I'm not creative. And I hear adults say that all the time. But the truth is everyone is creative in some way. Some people are creative in their leadership. Some people are creative with a package of markers. Some people are creative in how they figure out how to avoid doing work. <laughs> There's lots of different types of creativity. <laughs> Kristen, my absolute favorite moment of one of your sessions about making the mess was the, or owning the mess really, right? Um, was the audible gasp when everyone saw your amazing cardboard mountain. Can you please just take a little <laughs> bit of time and talk about that? Yeah, so in our classroom, we had a small, a very small container that I thought was gonna house all of our cardboard. And I had this vision of the kids returning cardboard to the bin. And week two, the thing was already overflowing. And by week five, it was like multiple piles. By week 10, I had wished that I had brought my snow shovel with me when I moved to Houston because that was like exactly what I needed to like shovel the cardboard into the corner. So we, we brainstormed with the kids and we were like, what could we do to fix this problem? We have this massive pile of cardboard that is out of hand. And um, my initial idea was just to buy some more shelves that could house the cardboard. Of course, kids take a different spin on things. They're creative, they're open-minded. And they're like, we need some kind of cardboard closet. And um, another student said, what about a mountain? And I was like, well, it is actually already a cardboard mountain. But now it's literally a mountain. They they cut out and taped it together and, and put it up in the corner. Um, and we called it Mindset Mountain because we're working on our growth mindset. And there's a little tiny sign at the top that says Persistence Peak. And it has Christmas lights on it because everything's cooler with lights. Of course. And... Um, a kid walked in and said, wow, Persistence Peak, I guess we need Resilience Road heading up there, don't we? And I was like, I guess we do. <laughs> and I thought all I was gonna do was buy some shelves. And now we have this cardboard mountain and it's hiding the cardboard and it's fun and exciting. And absolute most awesome about this whole story is at the end, uh, the kids that made it were going on to fifth grade and they said, I can't wait to see the faces of the younger kids when they come in and see it in the fall. And so the whole thing they were excited about was making it for someone else. And I was like, check a box, my job here is done. <laughs> I can't wait now to go back for the fall and, and see how the mountain works out for us. So I, I have something else to ask you about your makerspace because you, you probably don't know this, but we've been following you online and your blog and your Instagram thing for some time. And I I'm sorry then for sharing so many photos of my dog. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> But we, we quite fondly remember, it was some time ago now, but when you were first opening your, your makerspace area, you created this um, van that looked a bit like the mystery machine. Mystery, yeah, yeah, do yeah you, we were all impressed with that. Do you still have that? And what kind of purpose or role did that serve? Yeah, we, um, I wanted it to be a mobile makerspace. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't have the full culture built in our school yet. 
And I'm, I'm proud to say that year three, that van just went out at the end of this year for the first time for kids to build puppets with. And we put materials on it. It's, it's literally like an old cart from the custodial closet that was getting ready to go in the trash. And now everybody knows you don't throw anything away in the school. <laughs> you give it to me and, and we'll turn it into something. Um, but we just took cardboard and corrugated plastic and put on the sides and actually built it in my living room like while I was building the makerspace at school, I had to have this van because I, I had this idea and um, I put it together and my husband walked in and he said, oh, you built the mystery machine. And I said, it's not the mystery <laughs> machine. And since then, every single person that sees the van says the same thing. It's the mystery machine. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we call it now, the, the magical maker mystery machine. And um, it's just really supposed to be a mobile mobile makerspace that we can park in the hallway. And um, it could have just been a cart. And but you know, having a little mini van with curtains on the windows makes it even more fun. And we can kind of hide things in it, and kids can get the glue guns off of it when they need them, and just makes it exciting. All right. Why don't we finish up by going around the table and doing like a final takeaway or thought from the last three days we've had together. And to give you guys some time to think, I'll kick it off and say that I think one of the uh, takeaways that I noticed was pretty uh, well received among uh, the people that, that came for our conference was the idea that a makerspace is not really just about the stuff because... Um, I think when you when you go online and you read books and you read people's blog posts and you see all that stuff, it's, oh, they've got robots, they've got this, they've got that, they've got computers, they've got iPads, they've got green screens, they've got all this stuff. But the idea that you can have a makerspace and get started with makerspaces with a, a whole bunch of stuff. It's just, again, like we were talking about earlier about that maker mindset and the maker culture and design thinking and, and creating stuff that way. So I think that was one of my takeaways too. My highlight would be uh, two things. Uh, this being our first uh, Think Make Innovate conference um, in week of making, I would uh, I, w- I was pretty impressed with the quality of presenters we were able to get in. Um, obviously, bringing in Tammy and Chrissy that was a real treat for uh, for us and for our attendees. Um, so I was really really impressed with that. And the uh, the last thing would be just you know a lot of these people that here are attending and are going to attend our week of making they're local educators so that means there's going to be a lot of this makerspace uh, knowledge that they've learned this week going back out into our schools and uh, you know our, our students are going to have access to that. I think one of uh, something that I was glad to see that I was hopeful to see uh, at the end of every show Jason and I always say have fun making. And so that turned into our conference hashtag, hashtag have fun making. So if you weren't able to be here with us, you could look that up and kind of check out some of the things that went on. But I heard a lot of laughter. I saw a lot of smiles. I saw a lot of amazement and wonder. And that was really refreshing to see. And so I hope that that continues to rejuvenate all of the teachers' souls uh, over the summer break here and that they can, as Jason said, bring that back to their class in the fall and help to spread that happiness and joy uh, back to their students. Chrissy, any final thoughts? Um, you know, this these couple of days have forced me to reflect more also and, and just remember that you're never finished learning. I learned things from participants and, you know, sometimes we get intimidated and we think, well, I don't know how to do that, so I can't do that with my kids. Just remember, like, it doesn't matter. Your kids can teach you. You can learn from a, 
openly admit that you learn from a pre-K kid, it's okay. Um, and it was exciting to see people getting excited about creativity. Uh, there's nothing in education that makes me happier than seeing teachers get excited about bringing creativity into their classroom and to think about them going back in the fall and like spreading that message in their school. I think uh, that's a win for everybody. Great. And I think that's a great way to end it. So thank you, Amber and Jason, for co-hosting and sitting in for Mindy, who is not able to be with us today. And special thanks to Chrissy for coming all that way out to, to see us and help us in our Makerspace conference. Chrissy, if people were looking to see some of your stuff or find you online, where should they look? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the same name. It's at Chrissy Van Osdale. My name's spelled out. And my blog is ChrissyVanosdale.com. Not super creative with my names. They're all just Chrissy Van Osdale. Keeps it consistent, eh? That's right. All right. Thank you very much. With the magic of technology, we are able to welcome back Mindy Carney, who Teleported was... Teleported in. <laughs> yeah, she was not able to make the original uh, recording we did with Chrissy. And spoiler alert, we actually did that the day before today. But um, yeah, it's all good. So how have you been, Mindy? Good, good. I finished up um, some Minecraft sessions today. I had to dust off the old Minecraft slide deck and pull that puppy out from retirement. Yeah, that was fun. I, I jumped yeah. in and, and played along with some of those. Yeah. So. It was kind of fun to watch some teachers playing with the Minecraft EDU stuff, which was the first time I had been in Minecraft EDU. So why not? Why, why not? not? <laughs> I know it. <laughs> so uh, I came across this article that I shared with Mindy, and I thought it might be a, a nice way to wind up the podcast here. Um, we'll link to it on the show notes. It's 10 new and innovative EdTech products announced at ISTE 2017. So some fun things uh, to take a look at on there. Uh, not least of which are the new ISTE standards for educators. So what do you think of those, Mindy? Yeah, you know, um, we've been kind of, I think, waiting for these new ISTE um, teacher standards to come out, being as the student ones were replaced last year. And um, they're kind of along the same format as the student ones. So when you take a look at them, uh, the seven big titles on these, um, one of them is learner, of course, leader, citizen, collaborator, designer, facilitator, and analyst. And um, as I'm kind of looking over them, I mean, the language is very much the same as it was with the ISTE student standards. And it's going to be kind of exciting, I think, to dig into those with some teachers and, and see how they're applying those things to their instruction. Yeah, definitely. So they did the uh, ISTE standards for students last year. So right. it's good that they update the teacher ones accordingly and keep all those there. So um, I know a lot of schools use those for uh, part of evaluation purposes and things like that and teachers that use them for their own professional development. So um, we'll put a link to those in the show notes and let you have a dig in at those too. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, when you were looking over those 10 new things, what stuck out to you? Okay, so I, I had one that piqued my interest here. It's the Microbit Small Board Computer. Have you heard of this before? No, this was new to me. All right, so I guess it's kind of like a Raspberry Pi type of, of deal here. You know, it's got its little circuit board that's got USB and Bluetooth and uh, LEDs and connector pins and things like that on there too. Uh, it was created by the BBC, I want to say maybe 
at least one year ago, maybe two years ago, mm-hmm. as part of uh, a new coding initiative that was being done in the UK, where um, they had incorporated programming into every age group of school all nice. the way through high school. So the fun thing about this, uh, or at least f- from my point of view, was that if I think back to my very first experience with the computer, it was with a big honking machine called the BBC Micro. Mm-hmm. And it was probably about the size of a table that we're looking at right here. And it didn't do very much. And it had like some very basic computer games and you could actually code in basic and do things like that on there. So this is kind of the 21st century version of the original BBC Micro. And they're calling it the Micro Bit. So... And it's credit card size. Credit card size, yeah, compared to that (laughs) enormous machine I had uh, before. We had like one in the whole school. It sat in the library, had this big boxy monitor that went next to it. So, How old are you? Old. I guess so. (laughs) Old. (laughs) Nice. So, uh, yeah, the BBC Microbit. If you uh, like Raspberry Pis and Mm -hmm. Makey Makeys and things like that, check it out. It does interface with things like Scratch as well. And if you go to their website, they've got um, teacher notes and lesson plans and things on there too. So worth a look. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I'm going to go off the list. I'm sure you're going to be shocked and talk a little bit about some of the new um, things that Seesaw released. They timed those in for ISTE, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't that kind of how it works? Is like everybody waits until the week of ISTE and then you're like, oh, look at all the new things that are coming out. Yes. Um, so a couple new updates to Seesaw. One of them is that teachers will be allowed to send out um, kind of like a messaging style system, kind of like Remind, I guess, where you can just send out an announcement to parents and students, and then parents can reply back to the teacher's announcement. I'm not sure what that's going to look like yet, but um, something to keep keep an eye out for. Also, and this kind of broke my heart a little bit, is that... Um, the look of Seesaw is changing, like oh, the really? dashboard, which means all the screenshots I have. <laughs> so selfishly. It's, it's kind of a selfish thing. Mindy, it totally really. is. I'm like, oh my gosh, all of the um, resources I have and stuff is all now out of date, but that's fine. Um, so now you can have a little bit more choice over what your home screen looks like and things like that. With that design also comes a new redesign for parents as well. So... What's going to be really nice, though, is that a parent's view um, will show multiple classes at one time. So right now you have to toggle between your students' class. From what I understand, you should be able to see all of your students' work regardless of what class it's from in one feed. I can't guarantee that because I'm actually, you know, just reading about it. I wasn't, you know, at ISTE this year to hear the actual um, launch of these things, but so just a couple new things with Seesaw. So if you're starting back in the school year in August and you open it up, don't be shocked if it looks a little bit different. Yeah, well, change is good. Change is good. Change is good. So I've got something here which I thought was kind of interesting on this list here. It is a new update or a new app for uh, Kahoot, mm-hmm. which is the uh, formative assessment app. And, and I know that some people maybe... This is not their favorite tool in the world for a variety of reasons, and I'm not going to mention any names on there, but uh, one of the things that they've, they've done with this one is that um, you can now set up the quiz so that students can take it 
at home mm -hmm. or do it anywhere else? And they've put the questions and the answers on the same screen because it used to be that the question was up on the projector and your answers were on your computer and you right. had to look up and down and see them. So they put the answers in the, and the questions together on the same screen. But they've also got like a mobile app now so that um, students could take that quiz at home in their own time and not be rushed by peer pressure right. or anything else around them and uh, still contribute towards the class leaderboard and, and things like that too. I feel like it's used a lot for a formative assessment, but when it's a race, sometimes I wonder how what the quality of that information or data that is that's coming in. So the fact that the kids can take it home and actually use it as a formative assessment, I, I like that. I think it's a good improvement for sure. I, agreed. I like yeah. that too. So there's there's a few more things on this list here. We'll, we'll let you um, take a look at yeah. and see. I mean, there's things like uh, an augmented reality robot that you can program in code that mm -hmm. looks interesting. Uh, also not on the list was that uh, Book Creator have finally launched a beta version of really? their Chrome web app. Oh, awesome. I think they saved that for ISTE as well, yeah, like Seesaw. Right. So um, you can... We'll see if we can find information on that yeah. and how to sign up for that if you want access. Yeah, that's good. But uh, lots of fun things and exciting things. These are the things that sometimes teachers miss over the summer because right. we're on vacation. Yeah, right. Which yeah. we're also going on vacation. Well, that's a good segue, Mindy. We yes. are also going on vacation. Yeah. This is the last uh, EdTech takeout that you will hear until the fall. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I didn't want to be too dramatic there with a big oh. pause, but... <laughs> you were kind of like... <laughs> Heading that way though. Like. I, was, I was trying to milk that one a bit, yeah. So. <laughs> Until the fall. Yes. yes. So Mindy and I are going to take a break. Uh, we're going to go on vacation too yep. for to various places and to do various things. Yep. And uh, I'm sure you will too. But um, if you are interested and you haven't been listening to us since the beginning, this is episode 28. So oh. there are another 27 episodes in our back catalog that you could go back through and listen to if you're yeah. looking for some ideas or inspiration or you're lying on the beach somewhere or, or whatever else you're doing this summer. Okay. So have a good summer. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Have Goodbye, a good listeners. We'll see you in, in the fall. In the fall. <laughs> so I think that's all we have time for this week. Until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast. 